Thank you very much, Isaiah. I got to see Terrell Owens in college as well. Uh, Torch Furman for about 250 yards receiving on one day in Chamberlain Field. Uh, let's turn to our roundtable. We've got uh, an interesting issue in warehousing in the fact that uh, a lot of housing starts in terms of millions of square feet have dropped off dramatically. And here to talk about it, we've got two people with experience in that logistics field there. Andrew uh, Lockwood, Senior Director of Managed Logistics at Suddeth Global Logistics in Orlando, Florida, and Sam Martinez, Vice President of Strategic Solutions at Redwood Logistics in Chicago, Illinois. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. Let me throw up a chart that came out with, with CoStar uh, that, uh, uh, that our, our, our writer, um, uh, Steve Lockwood, came up with and put in his, uh, sorry, uh, Mark Solomon put in his article. And you can see the number of starts as things have kind of moved on through the pandemic. They peak out and all of a sudden a dramatic drop off here recently. Uh, Andrew, this could provide a, a bit of an interesting situation for people when this economy starts to turn back if there's not that much more warehousing space to go into. What do you see when you look at this chart? Uh, I see trouble brewing for 2024 and 2025. So this cake is not going to be baked for another year, uh, year or so. Because remember, when you have a, co a construction start, right, it, there's a delay. It takes a while to build a warehouse. You have the tilt walls and you have the, the metal and the roof and all that. It, this takes a while to construct. So when we see this kind of dramatic drop from a warehousing build standpoint, that cake doesn't get baked until a year later when you actually need it. Uh, the long-term Outlook is actually still pretty robust, but I think there, we, we're seeing a, a, a two-sided thing here with less demand um, versus what we've seen the last year or two, and lending rates have gone up. So lenders are starting to really tighten the belt there. Um, there's not as many spec startups. I think this could, could certainly spell uh, trouble down the road, especially if the economy kicks back up. Because think about it, right? If you've got fewer, fewer warehouses, the price is going to go up. Um, on those, which is only going to add fuel to the fire when it comes to the added cost to, pro to moving products through the supply chain. So I see a storm brewing down the road, but it's going to be about a year. Okay, Sam, this obviously isn't going to be a hiccup. What do you see? I see it from, well, shedding inventory has been kind of an initiative for shippers. I mean, certainly some of the largest shippers of the largest volume, shedding inventory has been an initiative all year long. And I think from a cash flow perspective, you know, a lot of inventory ties up a lot of cash and we know where the economy's at. Uh, these shippers want to shed inventory. So I think there's overall less volume out there, which means overall less, less space needed, which is part of the reason why that graph shows a drop off in, in new buildings. I do think from the investor or builder uh, landscape, you know, if they have dollars to invest, it's probably on the retention of those customers. So more along the lines of, of buying uh, current locations that are already built as opposed to buying or building new ones uh, and also renovating or, you know, investing in technology or uh, automation or security uh, at their own facilities. So uh, to Andrew's point, I think there's two worlds of investor and builders and, and how they're seeing and, and you know, going to plan ahead versus the three PLs out there that are kind of in the middle of this as well. Let me throw that chart back up there one more time just to, to show just one little thing here. Obviously, we're talking about this wasn't a dramatic like in one year just jumping off a cliff. This was moved out over the course of, of a period of time here. Uh, Andrew, what do you look at the cause of that in terms of why it's dropped off so much? And does it need to be jump started uh, to avoid what we could see, like you say, in the short term, 2024, 2025? Yeah, I mean, I think this is just the normal cause of the bullwhip effect, right? The the dramatic shift there in 2021, where we really see the, started to see the increase 
uh, in need. And, and it really peaked this time last year, Q1, Q2 of 2022. And then ever since, it's kind of fallen off. What's surprising, though, is the amount that it's fallen off. So just a quarter ago, we were like, okay, it's 50% of the uh, of the demand uh, that we saw maybe three quarters ago. Now it's it's literally 20%. It's fallen 80%. Um, I looked at residential housing starts because I was just interested. Are we seeing the same kind of pressure there? And over a two week or um, excuse me, a two year period, uh, it's only fallen 33%. Now again, building a house does not take nearly as long as a warehouse, uh, but I think it's troublesome because again, it's going to brew for trouble down the road. When there's that kind of lag in the system, you, you can't just go find warehouse space ASAP. And so what it's going to do is long term, it's going to build some pressure into the uh, producer price index, the PPI, which will then lead to the CPI down the road because that extra cost has to get passed on to the end consumer. So unfortunately, when all this money was uh, was unleashed by our government uh, with the onset of COVID, it's going to have lasting effects that will continue to go on years and years, lasting into 2025. So again, uh, showing that chart once again to, to you, Sam, as you look at, obviously the, the numbers dropped off dramatically, but still not as low as you see back in the earlier portions of when the data was coming through there as well. So still essentially producing more than we had back then. Yet, again, does there need to be a bit of a jump start to try and avoid what could be a, a more than, like I said, a major hiccup coming in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think you see the downward trend there, uh, slower pace and accelerated now because of what we now know is certain with, you know, the volume in the marketplace as FreightWaves put out just this week. But I think normalization was happening and occurring over the past year or so, just given um, the entire, you know, landscape uh, of the market. I think labor issues played an, um, a part of it. Uh, the unionization you've seen between Amazon and the UAW, you know, makes it even harder to jumpstart those warehouses. Uh, and I think from the 3PL space too, and, and lease terms and, you know, the way to be flexible with your customers, you know, all of that has changed the landscape of, you know, there are a lot of warehousing companies that popped up in the 3PL space. And a lot of those probably are pivoting away from that. You know, Redwood warehousing distribution is something we do. Uh, and yes, we still have a ton of space available for clients, but our space is more readily available now than it was, you know, the last two years because of the volume trends that we've seen from these larger shippers. Well, let me continue on to that, Sam, to your point in terms of when this market does turn, uh, who's going to be affected by this the most when all of a sudden we need warehousing space? Obviously, your customers have an option in that particular area. But uh, for those that, that are, are limited in what they can do, what solutions would you give to them? Yeah, I think um, you can expect a rebound, certainly with like imports, for example, would be a leading indicator there. Uh, and there could be a lot of pressure on warehousing once again, to Andrew's point, one and a half, two years down the road, we could be in the same position that we were at the start of COVID. But I think as far as a, a 3PL is concerned, the ability to pivot, you know, if you built a company in 2021 solely based on warehousing, you might be in a, in a different position. Your your pricing points uh, were in early 21 and 22 was favorable to say, this is my price and this is what it's going to hold at. Uh, now it's the price game to win. Uh, that space and to win that client, which is not a place you want to be. Also with lease terms, you know, three years, five years was kind of the sticky point that you wanted to close those deals with. Now you might be negotiating down to one year or on a monthly um, basis, which puts uh, retention for clients in a, in a really difficult position for some of those 3PL partners out there. Andrew, what do you think when you're looking at possible solutions there, if, if this is going to affect someone negatively, if they need warehousing space and all of a sudden because it wasn't built, it's not going to be there? Yeah, uh, chaos breeds creativity, Bill. So here's, <laughs> here's what I, and I want to add this to Sam's point is, and look, 
even from a 3PL perspective, right, I, I echo Sam's sentiments. We've got more space in our buildings than we did two years ago. Not as chaotic, but I will say we're starting to look through different avenues. Because remember, the industrial, where, traditional warehouse space is just one aspect of the industry. You have uh, your abandoned Kmart shopping centers. No offense, Kmart there. Uh, but, but again, you have a lot of retail space that's unused. You have some, there's some different creative methods uh, for looking at how you, uh, how you design your supply chain. There's also been this movement as a part of COVID to a decentralized supply chain, we realize that, oh gosh, uh, if, I only, if I have all of my goods in these one or two or three distribution points, then I'm so constrained as to the flow in and out of those distribution points. Now I'm gonna have more. And so what we're seeing is some retailers pushing some of that inventory to their bricks and mortar stores. Uh, we're seeing more distribution centers pop up. So the traditional hub and spoke is kind of breaking up into multiple hubs and spokes. So I think, Bill, there's, there's some creativity that's come along here in the last two years, a different approach, a different mindset, where it's not just about procuring the lowest uh, triple net lease cost in, let's say, Los Angeles and uh, in Boston, but there's a different mentality here now because uh, people understand they need, they need to have options. Options are worth something. It's not always about lowest cost just from a warehouse lease standpoint. We've got just a few seconds left here, Sam, as far as uh, who is going to be affected, who's on the tip of the spear in terms of who the, how they're going to be affected most by this when the market turns. Well, uh, as I stated, I think companies that uh, their core competency is warehousing, I think they're going to have to learn how to be super flexible and pivot to how they, they lend that space out to, to their customers. I do think if you have space down in the border, you know, with cross-border Mexico, I still think that's going to be a great uh, position for yourself and your company. If you have space down there, if you can build down there, all those border cities are going to see tremendous growth and the demand is still great down there. Andrew, who's this, who's this going to hit the hardest? Well, I think it has the potential to hit 3PLs hard. It, I mean, certainly on the front end, general contractors, right, because just the volume's not there. But one thing to, to consider for 3PLs out there, consider what you're charging for the stuff that's dusty storage that's been in your warehouse for a long time. There's a way to price this through to incent movement of goods. And so I think there's, again, there's some creativity. There's a different way to think about it that you, you have to be adaptable to Sam's points in this environment mm -hmm. in order to continue to remain profitable. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting next couple of years to try and get through this. Sam and Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we'll definitely keep a close eye on this. Take care. All right, let's head back over to Kayla Nix with our last check of headlines for today.